0: Buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny.
1: Welcome to Gun Funny, episode 270. Today, I'm going to chat with Brian Keeney from Occam Defense, discuss the hypocrisy of Biden DOJ in a recent court case, highlight a new optic from PARD, and talk about an odd game of chicken at the airport. I'm your host, Ava Flanell. Brian, how are you doing today?
2: Really stoked to be here and talking about guns with somebody awesome. So thanks for your time.
1: Oh, thanks. Well, one thing that I will say that's really awesome is the only thing that I really like about this time of year, like with cold weather, is I'm drinking chamomile tea, and this is actually my first cup, I think, maybe this year. I'm enjoying it. Well, I'm cheers. Like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> this is what happens when you get older. You turn in the vodka for chamomile tea and hope that it doesn't age you.
2: <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. It's really brutal.
1: <laughs> and then if you drink, like, God forbid, you drink, like, one night which I may or may not have done a few days ago, and that's why I'm trying to hydrate. You are hung over it for days. It's horrible. Like getting it's
2: old. so not, yep, yeah, not worth it. <laughs> it's not,
1: no, absolutely not. I agree. But you know what is worth it? Smith & Wesson. Actually, before we started the show, you were talking about Smith & Wesson, saying how much of a fan you are. So I have to ask, have you been able to check out the new Shield Equalizer that they just announced on Tuesday?
2: I have not, but I'm really stoked for it because I carry a Shield every day and carry a Glock 17 as well. But the shield, both my wife and daughters can shoot it really well Mm -hmm. and they don't carry typically. And so it's kind of my backup gun, but also my, if my wife and kids ever do need it, I've got it on me all the time and um, really reliable, very accurate. The EZ is awesome, particularly for small framed people and women. Mm -hmm. Like my wife did a bunch of special ed work early on and damaged her wrists really badly working with kids that were fallers on purpose. And so racking is very challenging for her. And the Shield EZ is a giant deal for those smaller frame people that have a problem getting that slide all the way to the back Mm -hmm. where we really want it for, for a solid charge great value as well. Like the price on the shield is just nuts. And it's a, I would trust my life to one every day. You know, they're just a great company.
1: Yeah. They are absolutely reliable. I've not had any issues actually. Now that I think about it with any of the Smith and Wesson handguns, they do make some really reliable stuff. If you guys haven't heard. So they came out with a gun. It's called the equalizer. It's essentially as if the shield easy and the shield plus had a baby. And this would be, you know, the outcome. It's not as easy to rack the slide like you would on the easy, but it has really nice like serrations in the slide a really nice like easy to grip onto the magazine capacity so it has three different magazines it comes with 10 13 and 15 round mags it's optic ready it shoots well and i've already seen it now sold for 4.99 although msrp on the website is 5.99 that's i mean you can't beat it for 500 bucks for a really you know a reliable gun I'd say jump on it. Yeah. Head on over to smith-wesson.com and find out more information about the equalizer.
0: Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry.
1: All right, Brian. So, before we talk about Occam Defense, which I'm really excited to have you on and talk about Occam Defense because I'm not super familiar with the company, but I have to say, I was looking at your website, freaking an awesome website. I love like all the graphics and stuff. You guys did a great job. And oh, thank you. That's one thing that the gun industry lacks on. Sometimes their website, I look at it and I'm like, dude, who the hell did it? Like some kid in the basement. Like maybe you should splurge a little bit and like have somebody, you know, actually like, you know, master your website. But Really nice website, freaking awesome accessories, especially the stocks. I really liked those. It looks like you make some really you know, solid AKs and you have a good reputation. But again, before we start talking about Occam Defense, tell me a little bit about your background. Because from what my editor tells me, you have a really interesting background and you've done a lot of things with your life before you got into the firearms industry.
2: Yeah, that is one thing my life has been is interesting. That's for sure. So I went to college looking to reinvent the surfboard to mimic how dolphins surf underwater. Mm -hmm. Um, If you haven't seen video of it, you listeners out there, it is staggering how good they are at literally surfing and playing in waves. And I went to the oceanography department at UC Santa Cruz. I was a hippie at the time. And I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, turn around and go to the physics department. And I said, you mean you can do physics in college as like a thing? And he's mm-hmm. like, some people do it for their whole careers. <laughs> and I was just blown away. I was totally, I didn't know that this was a thing you could do with your life. So I went over there and uh, learned a bunch of electronics and some physics that people on the show would recognize, like ballistic paths of bullets and that kind of thing we got to cover and quantum mechanics and all that. But I ended up really falling in love with electronics. I'd been into it as a kid and most of my career has actually been doing that. And I'll get to that in a minute. But along the way, my quantum mechanics professor was also a violin maker and I had been making banjos and guitars on my own. I was really into wood at the time and just hadn't had any exposure to machining yet. Mm And asked him if I could apprentice in his violin shop, and he agreed. And for the next few years, I learned violin-making techniques, and a lot of those techniques are actually really compatible with AK construction. And so in the ways that we do things differently from other folks in the U.S. and in Europe, it's pretty much luthery stuff that was developed in the 1600s. And, uh, yeah, wood is super imprecise and floppy and it doesn't like to stay put. Mm -hmm. And the way a violin is constructed is kind of on a, like an inside out frame and the sides are laid up and bent in there. But the minute you take that mold or frame away, it becomes like a slinky Mm -hmm. and the front and the back of the violin, you know, the sort of the things with the scrolls in them that everybody's seen, Mm -hmm. those are... Glued on with hide glue, with literally jello. You know, it's the same, pretty much the same thing. And uh, hide glue is super strong if there's no gap, if the parts are fitted well together, because it's just proteins that worm their way into both pieces of wood and lock the thing together. But if there's a gap, it's just jello and it falls apart. And so the front and back have to be mated very precisely in a violin in order for the glue to work at all. And it's important to use hide glue and not a better glue because violins have to be taken apart fairly regularly for servicing. And so if you use some Gorilla Glue or something, congratulations, you've made a violin that's good Mm -hmm. for 10 years and, Mm -hmm. and no longer. So learned a bunch of really interesting techniques there. And then about the same time, got into machining and making structures for The electronics I was building, we were making sensors for cancer therapy, basically really fancy digital cameras that let us look at radiation. Mm. And it was really good work, loved it, couldn't really find a job in industry doing that. But in grad school, I did a bunch of stuff with that, got better at machining, and uh, went out into the world, did... Let's see. I worked on Curiosity, the rover on Mars. I've got some hardware on there. From Went in and started doing x-ray tubes, which are a really interesting mix of mechanical and electronic stuff and just straight electricity and magnetism. And uh, I got to learn a bunch about constructing things that are ultra clean. And that fits in Believe it or not, keeping an AK really clean while you're making it helps Mm -hmm. a lot, Um, particularly the bore in any firearm. We do a bunch of special stuff there. And almost all of the things that I've built are measuring devices. And my degrees are physics, but with an emphasis on instrumentation, meaning making fancy tape measures of one stripe or another. And again, that's really been helpful in making good guns, um, figuring out ways to measure performance. Mm. Is a big deal. So, um, ended up doing a bunch of industrial physics, like uh, detecting counterfeit anti malarial drugs, lead in paint, stuff like that. That um, was cool. But along the way, got really into defensive shooting. I was living in California at the time and I got attacked a bunch. And I'm 6'4, and so you can imagine the only people who are, att- and I'm well behaved. So, the only people that were attacking me were either crazy or on drugs. And in both cases, you've got a problem on your hands. Luckily I have long legs and so I could run away, but you know, see earlier comments on being a hippie that that's always a good idea if you can do it. However, then I had, I had children and I got attacked and couldn't get away. And I was like, Whoa, I got to fix myself. And so launched on this journey to become a competent human and a responsible adult and started carrying and then was like okay i have taken these you know handgun fighting classes uh did most of my study under james yeager who recently passed away and a lot of occam defense occam wouldn't exist without james no doubt his doctrine and his teaching really went into what my projects uh in occam Mm -hmm. but uh went to look at a rifle and i'm totally unimpressed by the terminal ballistics of 556 and that's not to say that 556 isn't a great round and uh in the hands of very skilled people really effective at putting metal on meat and stopping threats however i am a single uh civilian defender not in a fire team Mm -hmm. and i was dealing with people that were uh as i said emotionally disturbed one way or another and so taking people all the way to the ground is is a big deal when you're dealing with somebody who's irrational so 30 cal started to look like the right way to go in my opinion and it, it still is again to those who love 556 rock on you know mm-hmm. as long as it it we're in america we're on the same team right so then i started looking at doing an ar10 and at that time ar10s were not what they are today. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't run particularly well. And what I realized in trying to build one up was that I was trying to reinvent the AK. And I'm like, oh, this disgusting commie sheet metal (laughs) piece of trash. And we're jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit with your timeline, but that was the impetus for my first design and firearms was to try to make the AK less trashy because there's no place to put optics, flashlight, you know, yeah. you, you burn your hand if you don't grab the handguard in the right way. All that stuff I found to be a major problem. And those are the things that led to Occam Defense becoming a thing.
1: And how long ago was this?
2: 2015 was when I came up with our first product, which was called the RST or rear sight tower. And it just replaced the floppy rear sight leaf on an AK with a pick rail. Plus a rear notch so that you could throw an aim point micro onto the gun and have it be a rock solid zero. It's a very rugged mount. And then if the red dot goes down, just rip off the red dot and go back to the iron sights as per usual. Mm -hmm. Nice. And that was 2015, 2017 was when this version of Occam Defense became incarnate. There were some earlier sort of false starts.
1: Okay. Before we get into that, I'm going to take a quick break, talk about primary arms if you guys are looking for a good lpvo primary arms has their glx 1 to 6 x 24 ffp scope in both the acss griffin m6 and raptor m6 reticles the glx in their mid-tier range so they're definitely going to give you some premium features and rugged construction built in it even has swappable tourettes so you can have them you know capped or exposed for quick adjustment it has a full 200 moa of elevation and windage adjustment so you can zero it on just about anything for a long distance they also have premium quality glass for extra clarity and include rugged throw lever that onto the scope for quick attachment. Best of all, if you want this specific optic, so it's only for this specific optic, the GLX one to six by 24 FFP. If you use the code AVA, that's AVA, you're going to get a free one piece scope mount when you go to buy it. And that is at primaryarms.com. Let's talk about how you decided you're going to make this AK. Did you give up your career at this point? You're like, Hey, I'm just going to start an AK company. Or were you still just like, I still just want to create an AK that I could personally use.
2: At that point we were trying, I had another company going at the time I had left. I was part of a startup that got sold to Olympus, uh, the camera company in like 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. And after that, I was like, I'm hanging out my own shingle. I'm done being a corporate employee. I was in Silicon Valley. It was miserable. Yeah. And so started to do an electronics, uh, consulting, in yet, well, started consulting in 2008, but took it full time in 2013. I did take a year or two and started a farm school. Homesteading is another big interest of mine in sustainable agriculture.
1: Damn, you definitely did, weren't did kidding that. when you said you were like jack of all trades. Like, here, I think I'm jack of all trades. And I'm like, all right, you have me beat.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. It's um, impressive. No, it, like, I don't have ducks or a row, <laughs> I have squirrels <laughs> at a rave. Um, <gasps> to my wife's eternal chagrin uh she's a really good sport though and has always gone along well yeah she actually is the reason that Occam became the full-time deal so I shouldn't say she's a good sport she's a good instigator yeah and a great partner so let's see yeah the farm school ended up not being cool because of fascist policies of the united states government Mm -hmm. um it's illegal to kill a pig on farm it has to be on a usda approved facility and the government red tape lol was too much for me. And yeah. so we decided to do guns instead because that was way less regulated. <laughs> <laughs> not, not not, really, but um, you know, at, at the beginning, it was just accessories. So yeah, I had this electronics company going and we were doing jobs for some fairly major companies. My business partner and I, he also founded Occam Defense with me. He's since moved on to other pursuits. We're still really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, also an AK guy. And uh, yeah, we were doing electric vehicle drivetrains. So I was designing the computers that keep the battery packs from blowing up, we hope. And uh, we ran into a really interesting problem that nobody wanted to pay for them. And that was incredibly frustrating. He ended up needing to move on to another thing. And I had a decision of whether to take Occam Defense full time or the electronics company full time. And my wife was like, you know, you're miserable doing working with we were mostly having to work with Silicon Valley people that were just clueless.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was the real problem is they had all done software. And software is very different. If you make a mistake, you hit control Z. Yeah. And you're good again. If you make a mistake in electronics, it you've got a month or two In general, before you can try another thing. And uh, that just did not mesh well. So, yeah, I love the gun culture and um, working with people that are excited about something. And so my wife was like, yeah, let's do the gun thing. And at that time, we had developed the Merc, which is kind of our coolest piece of technology. It's a free-flowed handguard for the AK that dramatically accurizes the gun. And it, it sounds like snake oil, but it turns out that the gas block on an AK likes a lot of tension on it. It likes the gas tube to be really hard up against it. And the way our handguard works, you can do that. And the consequence is that you can often take a six MOA trashy commie gun and turn it into a sub two MOA gun just by adding our handguard. And I know that sounds like snake oil, but holy cow, it's it's a real thing. And I, I'd, I'd love to say that I anticipated that and saw it coming, but it was just an accident. Hmm. So we had this thing, but we couldn't really get any traction with it. And James Yeager had come out to visit me in Moscow, Idaho, where we are. And he said, this thing's awesome, but you're going to have to sell the gun to sell the handguard. And I said, I don't want to do that. And he said, it hmm. doesn't matter what you want. If you want this thing to move, you're going to have to build a gun. And so we started doing that. Hmm. And uh, in 2019, we started shipping the 1775, which is our kind of flagship firearm. It's off the website at the moment because with this current manufacturing environment, we can't make money building them. Okay. We're hoping, we're doing some stuff right now to get them back out. But it is a 14 and a half pin and weld, up to 16, full length handguard, suppressor ready. Um, it comes with a our own muzzle device that has a dead air key mount interface and then it's uh polish uh critical parts the bolt the bull carrier and the front trunnion and then we make we're the first company to put a pick rear trunnion which is the stock adapter on an ak on every gun we made and we came out with the line of stocks for mm-hmm. that the big reason behind the overarching principle other than simplicity is modularity because my wife, I've mentioned her a couple times now, but she's five feet and a little over a hundred pounds with bad wrists. An old school AK, she can barely shoulder the thing and she's in good shape. It's mm-hmm. just that she's a tiny person. Yeah. And so with my daughters as well, when they were, I started them out shooting, my littlest was four or five. And I just saw that nothing fit them. And I've had my own issues. I'm six, four, and I've got a, a very large wingspan. And so typical ergonomics don't work well for me
0: mm-hmm.
2: and seeing the very large and the very small hammered home, the need to be able to really dial in your setup to you mm-hmm. and uh, dudes out there listening, trying to get your women or daughters into shooting. If you can take care of those ergonomics and really look at what your lady is having to do to shoulder most guns, like help yourself out and get them a smaller rig so Mm -hmm. really short length of pull if they're small but also lightening up the front of the gun in whatever way possible you know do not bring your night vision rig Mm -hmm. out with your girlfriend for a first time shooting that's the wrong answer something that's really stripped down with the pencil barrel probably is the right answer
1: Mm -hmm. I couldn't Um, agree more yeah
2: yeah. So, um, so, God, I'm, I'm all over the place there. Why don't you bring me back home?
1: No, it's, I mean, it's all great information, but I have to ask. So I'm, I just did a quick search. Cause I noticed, like you said, there isn't any guns for sale on your website. What is MSRP for a lot of these AKs?
2: Uh, for the ones that we make MSRP is right around $3,000, which is a large amount of money. What that gets you is us not cutting any corners whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And we use a mill spec traveler, meaning that there's a, we have a digital database that has every single gun we've ever built, who did exactly what operation. There's over 100 checklist items on there. Mm-hmm. And um, we ensure that the gun is life-saving equipment. And there's a lot of guns out there that are toys, and that's great. But if you want a gun that you can trust your life to, You want somebody to have taken a great deal of care to make sure that every single thing was done right.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, absolutely.
2: Our guns are sub two MOA out of the box. We ship a test target with each one. Most of the parts are made in the United States. We try to make as many of them as we can ourselves. So it's as much of an American hand-built gun as we can with you know nothing super extra. It's not like they come gold-plated, but what you get is. Americans that care about you and your safety, building you the best gun they know how to make.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. And my editor, he wrote, so he knows that like some of the things that you do when you're like testing to ensure every gun that goes out, you know, the door runs flawlessly, but you also pay attention to things like the pattern of where like the ejected cases fall, which factors into, you know, pretty impressive accuracy requirements, which is something that I actually didn't really pay much attention to until I guess in the last couple of months, like how a gun ejects and if it has like a nice strong eject, like maybe it's just flying across the freaking range or if it's just ejecting directly back at you and.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a big clue as to what's going on with the gun. Yeah. Um, and I don't know ARs very well at all, but I will say you can absolutely see AR. Some ARs have like terrifyingly little ejection mm-hmm. and. What that ejection is telling you, like you mentioned, a bunch of important things, like variability mm-hmm. in where it's going, mm-hmm. you know, what angle it's going in, and then how far is it going? And generally speaking, so bad ammo can make any good gun look bad. So if ammo is overhead space, which I've run into before. Mm-hmm. It'll make the gun look under gassed because when the action closes on the cartridge, it has to crunch that case down to fit inside the available headspace in the gun. Mm -hmm. And when it gets wedged like that, the gun is going to have to work pretty hard to rip it back out of the chamber after Mm -hmm. it's been fire formed in this compressed state. And so if you have an overhead space cartridge, it'll just piddle out of the gun or it won't even eject at all. Interesting. And so that's one thing is you need calibration standards. And the standard that we use for testing is Wolf polyformance. And polyformance is made by Barnall. It's a different plant from most Wolf and Tula, which is made at the Tula plant. Mm -hmm. Now you can't even get that stuff anymore, but I'm saying for your users who might be five, five, six people, it's good to have a stash of like very nice ammo that you can always use as a reference standard for if your gun's doing something funny, you go back to the old reliable Mm -hmm. and just check it on that. So having dispensed with that yet, if you've got known good ammo, okay, what do those things tell you? The distance that ejects, more or less has to do with how the gun is gassed and how fast the bolt carrier is moving. So if you're flinging brass 30 feet, you're gonna prematurely wear your gun out. And you'll notice this, like if you strap a can on, you'll notice that your ejection pattern almost always gets larger or the, the distance thrown. There's other clues like if the rounds on an AK, and again, I just don't know 5.56 five, guns very well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the AK has kind of been my single-minded pursuit for the last six or seven years here. Mm-hmm. The angle tells you what the ejector is doing. On an AK, the ejector kind of sticks out from the left-hand side and there's a cutout in the bolt and the bolt just comes by it. And there's an extractor claw on the right side Uh, Much like an AR. It's a little beefier, but it's the same idea. So this little monkey paw is grabbing the case and pulling it back on the right side. And then on the left side, there's the ejector and that flips it end over end kind of off to the right. If that ejector is very short, it'll kick the brass kind of straight ahead. And that can be a clue that your ejector is too short if things are going wrong. Like if occasionally you're not stripping the round out, yeah. then that can be what's going on there. Interesting. So that's just a, a couple. Oh, one other thing you can do a lot is that you'll see two different ejection patterns if you're shooting rapid fire or full auto. And it's people don't think about this a lot. Kurt Helstrom at VSO Gun Channel was the first person to tell me about it. And it was with respect to ARs. When you ground out the mag on an AR, and this is true with the AK as well, people recommend that for accuracy because it gives you kind of a monopod Mm -hmm. and you can use your two elbows to kind of make the gun, give your gun sort of three points in some way. That noticeably will change both your group size and where the brass ejects. Ideally, you want that mag hanging loose so that it can wiggle and get out of the way and let the cartridge get stripped evenly up the bullet guide and into the chamber on a double stack mag the left side rounds are going to hit a different part of the bullet guide than the right side rounds and what i've noticed on ak's and kurt tells me is true on ar's as well is that if you ground out the mag you'll tend to see two different groups. They might be very closely spaced together, but grounding out the mag usually has a consequence and causing them to separate. So one of the things that we do when we're testing is our test target always has two shots on it, because what I've done is I've stripped one off the right and one off the left side of the mag and made sure that they're ending up in the same place or within way under an inch of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our cutoff on our guns is two MOA and it's from left. It's not left you could cheat and you could shoot around, dump around into the berm and then go back and shoot another round. And it's probably going to be more accurate than if you just shot two consecutive rounds. So all this goes to just the big reason that I ship a test target with our guns is that it's the easiest evidence that I have for the customer that every detail was looked after it's not that I think that our guns are sniper rifles. They don't need to be. Mm-hmm. What I need the customer to know is that it's a consistent product without a lot of personality to it. You know, some people brag about the personality of their guns. I like to brag about how they're all the same. And to me, that's the juice. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can take all those variables out and just deliver the same thing every time, yeah. that's awesome. Like, uh, there's a guy who says that McDonald's is the greatest restaurant on the planet. And the reason is that. You leave getting exactly what you expected, mm-hmm. <laughs> which might
1: not be that great, yeah, but, yeah. It's but it's consistent. Exactly. Yeah. That makes and sense. And that's a big deal. Hmm. Very interesting. Tell me about the name Occam Defense. Where did you come up with Occam?
2: So it turns out we were making a nerd joke. And uh, those of you in the audience who know about Occam's Razor, congrats. You are definitely nerds. It's only, Yay, I don't know, three percent of the button. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it was this uh, really interesting monk in the Middle Ages named Willem of Ockham. And his original saying was that things should not be multiplied unnecessarily. And what that's morphed into in pop culture, or at least pop nerd culture, is all things being equal, the simplest answer is the right one. And that we actually were using that with our electronics. I came up um, after grad school, I trained under a really crazy dude who had done a bunch of heads up displays for F-15 fighter aircraft. Mm -hmm. And they're like inside the helmet, there's a display that the pilot can see and we were doing x-ray tubes that were pretty tightly controlled by the government like you can't be irradiating people by accident that's Mm -hmm. not cool (laughs) and so we used these same mil spec designs for doing the x-ray tube stuff and i learned this beauty and it turns out that if you want to make beautiful circuits you tear all the extra nonsense off them all the bells and whistles all the tinsel all the glitter and you just have brutal stoic simplicity And for my money, that's the right way to do high rail stuff. Mm -hmm. And we use that same idea with guns. And that's the big reason that I love the AK is my favorite example. I think is the dust cover on an AR 15 has like seven or eight parts to it. Mm -hmm. On an AK there's zero it's the safety. The safety has a an mm-hmm. extra flap of sheet metal that comes up and blocks that place. Yeah, And the AK does that over and over and over again. And I love that. The dust cover can't break if it doesn't exist. And uh, like forward assist, it's just the charging, you know, it has mm-hmm. a reciprocating charging handle. Yeah. And a lot of folks now are getting rid of the forward assist on the AR. Mm-hmm. I don't have like a strong opinion on that, but that's sort of what we're going for. And that's the idea with Occam as the name is that anytime we can get rid of a fastener or a doodad turn three parts into two or better yet not use them at all we're doing that
1: yeah makes sense okay i'm going to take another quick break and talk about mantis if you want to take dry fire to a whole new level, definitely check out Mantis X10. That's one of my favorites out of all the X's in that category. The X10 is the latest and the greatest, the latest generation of, I guess, shooting performance systems. It's smaller and lighter than the previous versions and has a longer battery life, which actually is true because I've only, since I've had it, I've only charged it once, which is pretty impressive because I've actually used it quite a bit. They mount directly to a Picatinny rail and give you an incredibly amount of like data on your shooting performance, which by the way, if your gun doesn't have a Picatinny rail, they do have devices that you can add that Mantis makes as well, but you could use that data, whether you're dry firing or you're live firing, it collects data either way. And they also have a ton of other like different adapters for pistol mags, barrel attachments, and more. Like I said, if your gun doesn't have that rail, it's the only shooting measurement tool around that does both dry and live fire. In addition, it also does a holster draw analysis and works with archery as well as shotguns. If you want to check it out, head on over to mantisx.com. And like I said, it's the X10, but they also have a lot of other great devices as well. Let's talk about some of the other stuff that can makes. So, like I said, I was on your website and checking out the stocks. One of the stocks I really like because it looks like it's kind of like honeycomb, like there's honeycombs. Inside. Yeah, yeah. I'm,
2: and I mean, think- that's a really interest. It's interesting to me that you like that stock. We've actually discontinued that one. Oh, really? Because <laughs> of a something. Well, you'll love the story. Be- and I'm glad I'm I'm glad you like it because I loved that design as well. It triggered something called tripophobia in a lot of customers.
1: Wait, what the hell is that?
2: Right. So. For a while, I was addicted to uh, the slash WTF on Reddit, and yeah. I just had to block it on our servers because I was spending too much time looking <laughs> at weird stuff. Yeah, it is. Trypophobia It comes up all the time on Reddit WTF, but you can Google it at home. It's T-R-Y-P-O and then phobia. And it is a fear of repeating shapes. And I think it comes from parasite infestations earlier in our evolution. Like if you've ever seen bot flies or like the back of a, uh, there's a particular toad, it's not Madagascar, but there's this, this gross looking toad that has a, its eggs on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And the eggs hatch out of the back of this toad. So yeah, that honeycomb pattern, I've, our patent attorney, um, he called me up, and he's like an ipsic grandmaster, and I asked him, he was working on them. Uh, he wasn't working on that. Uh, we didn't patent that. It was just I ask his opinion on stuff a lot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he's from Georgia, and I'll do a terrible Georgia accent here, but he's like, Brian, I got to tell you, if I was <laughs> shooting that in a competition, and this is a very straight-laced, like, yeah. think, think accountant in yeah, appearance, yeah. I would feel so embarrassed at how this thing looked that I would be unable to shoot the competition due to being distracted. And I thought, <laughs> what is going on? And so I, I'm like, Hey, hold, hold on one second. And I Googled trippophobia and I sent him a picture while we were talking and he kind of gasped audibly. And he's like, don't you ever send me anything that disgusting again. And mm. it was, it was, this great marketing lesson and it's why i encourage people to be brutally honest with me it's why i go to him for advice on products is that he tells me what he actually thinks yeah and so yeah the stock originally had that honeycomb in it because we cut our stocks out of billet so they start as a big brick of metal mm-hmm. so if you leave metal on it doesn't cost you anything and i wanted to do a cool our logo is a hexagon i love the honeybee i used to keep bees for a while like they're awesome mm-hmm. And I just wanted that shape in there because we could. And we ended up mixing it for that reason. And now we've got something that's a lot more, it's kind of an homage to the uh, Galil, the old, the early Galil AKs had this stock that was made out of bent pipe. And they're not the prettiest thing Mm. But they were super lightweight and for that time, just a really efficient design. So we've ended up kind of moving the design over to that over time. But I'm really stoked you like the
1: hexes. I know. Now I'm starting to wonder. I'm like, what's wrong with me that I like (laughs) 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 it?
0: Well,
1: you have some other cool stuff. I mean, like the hex 2.0 that you can put a wooden panel in or keep it out and the folding stock which is cool the wood panels i love mixing wood with aks i just think it looks great like i have my Galil, my Galil ace the second gen and actually all the aks that i have have some wood on it but nice with the oh, you
2: need you need a pair of our sights then we make some iron sights called the ph2s that go awesome on the Galil 2.0 that's actually one of our biggest selling products and it's for the well it's for our guns and it'll work on cz evos as well people put them on a bunch of different stuff they're a lower height over rail hmm. than a standard ar-15 sight ar-15s have a height over bore of the front sight of about 2.7 inches mm-hmm. and on an ak it's a flat two inches they're, the ak sites are actually quite a bit lower Our sights come in on our gun right at about 2.4. They're halfway in between and three quarters of an inch over the pick rail. And for the Galil 2.0, yeah, those those sights are money. So I'll be sure to get you a pair in the mail there.
1: I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, they look really nice.
2: Well, thanks. Yeah, we've worked hard on them. We just dropped them. We were having somebody else make them for us and uh, we started rolling our own. The cool thing on this gen is that they take an AR-15 front sight. So if you want to use tritium, or a bunch of people are doing ghost rings up front now mm-hmm. for super accuracy, and so all that stuff will swap in again. Going with that sort of configurability within reason. Like I, I don't like doing stuff that's so configurable that you've got to have a bunch of extra screws. Yeah. Again, because anything if there's a screw, it can come out. And so on, life-saving equipment. I don't like extra screws. Yeah. But you, configurability to your body important. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
1: One last question. So my editor, he said that it's been a while back now, but he heard that you were torture testing out a new prototype and you had the barrel red hot to the point the special tape holding the temperature probe got so hot it came off that everything was still running great on the gun. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah. So that's something that's pretty different that we do. As I was mentioning earlier, this instrumentation, that I used to do, you know, designing electronics to measure mm-hmm. things. A big part of that was just, yeah, uh, uh, hooking temperature probes up to stuff. And there's a really simple recipe that we use for all of our testing where we like the Merck has insanely good the Merck handguard that we came up with that accurizes the gun, the big thing that I was going for in that design was good thermal handling, because at that time, there were no handguards that you could dump three mags through and still be able to hold. And some of them like got stupid hot, like 300 degrees. So we brought in a bunch of temperature testing in the development of that, and this is for the, on our website, there's an adjustable gas block that we came out with. I don't think I have a fancy name for it because it doesn't need one. It's a 4140, that's a, an alloy steel that's really good. And then 17.4 stainless, which is what a lot of suppressors are made out of is what we made the gas cup out of. That's the thing, basically the valve that regulates the gas. More gas means a faster bolt carrier means better ejection but also means more felt recoil Mm -hmm. lower gas is the opposite of all those things but if you go too far you don't get good cycling so there's a three bears problem and ambient temperature matters tremendously if it's 20 degrees out you're going to need a way different gas setting than if it's 110 degrees out particularly if a can is involved so that's the whole thing is is to be able to run a can and get that three bears setting no matter where you are. The spring, which is the only thing that failed in the test that your editor was talking about, it started out as a chrome silicon AR-15 detent spring. And in order to test that whole gas block, we decided to put a thousand rounds through one gun in 45 minutes and just burn it down and see what happened. And the gun ran fine throughout the whole thing. I've got these crazy pictures of it getting it actually got to be a pretty bright orange and we got the gas block up to about 1300 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. It was, and yeah, we use a special tape called Kapton, K-A-P-T-O-N. And if your audience members who have looked at stuff going into space, or if they've cracked open an Apple laptop, you'll see this brown tape. It's translucent. You can see right through it, but it's got this like tobacco stained color to it, like Mm -hmm. almost like a black tea, Mm uh, kind of tone that stuff is crazy for temperature standoff. And it's what we use for tying down everything. And it started to roach too. Wow! So the only thing that went bad in the whole test was that the spring annealed, it got soft. And so the gun still stayed working fine, but when we went to change to a different setting, it was easier than before because the spring was now softer than it was before. So we changed out for a very exotic alloy called an Inconel X 750. That's good to 1350 Fahrenheit. And I think that's a good little story about the difference between us, Mm -hmm. you know, what we do, like if there's a thing we can do and you know, that, that spring was only two bucks. It only cost me two bucks to put in this amazing alloy that doesn't fail. Wow! So I'm not saying that we spend stupid amounts of money on stuff. It's just that we go the extra mile to make sure that, you know, to the best of our ability, we're making the best thing we can.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. It's great. Any future plans that you can share with us?
2: We are in the midst of a, I'm now, yeah, we're moving manufacturing, which I'm super excited about. I can't say much more about it than that. It's staying in the US, It's staying in Idaho. That's the big work we're doing and getting some very large machines in the mix and doing some collaborations that are going to be announced very soon. But I think the big push in terms of products coming out or all that is the relaunch of our firearms at this new facility that has, it's a a much larger company that we're partnering with to bring more awesome to the American market.
1: Yeah. I'm excited for you, especially because I think there is such a, how do I say Like, you know, AKs have like increased greatly in popularity just in the last couple of years. And I know even with my Patreons, people who, you know, support the show, in our Patreon group there's so many ak fans and i mean i'm sure that they're already a fan of yours if they're already you know into AKs. because i know that the ak community is you know pretty small but it's great because you know if you were an ar company i'd be like all right well good luck you know but i mean it's still a very small pond but there's so much ways that you can dominate and like take over the industry especially if you're offering you know great quality products which it sounds like you are so i'm really excited
2: Yeah. It's a bummer. There's really a renaissance going on for AKs in general. And there's a bunch of smaller companies in the U S and even some bigger ones like PSA century and KUSA are starting to make some very credible AKs Mm -hmm. that are, I don't want to say budget, but entry, whatever you want to call it. They're much more inexpensive than mine and they're uh, made in the U S and I love to see that. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot good with it but for so long it was treated as as this trashy commie gun and nobody was putting any real money into it yeah and most of my customers we call them ak curious they're ar-15 shooters who are like hey that gun used to be awful and now it starts to look good right and and the way that our guns work they're very ergonomically similar to the AR-15. I think the AR-15 ergonomics and advancements, like if you look at the at the Stoner, des- well, not really the Stoner design, but the Stoner was a genius. The original M16 design was mm-hmm. not his fault. Mm-hmm. If you look at where the M16 started and where the AR-15 is today, it's a super testament to capitalism and American ingenuity. Yeah. If you look at where the AK started, And where it is today in Russia, it is like it has not improved very much. And it's been cool to see other Americans doing stuff similar to us, but different. There's a bunch of people doing some really neat stuff and applying capitalism and American innovation to the AK. And so it's a very good time to be getting into it. There's also American ammunition production that's kicking off. That was a real hiccup with... The whole Russia situation at the moment, mm-hmm. it's bad for, or it was bad for ammo, but ammo is starting to get figured out again, and it is back to being super affordable. So mm-hmm. yes, very much a great time for the AK in America.
1: Absolutely. For people who want to check out your website or follow you on social media, where are you located?
2: Instagram is where we publish most of our you know, fun stuff, Occam Defense Solutions, and then uh, website, OccamDefense.com. For very AK specific talk. I did do several years of the AK corner with Marty at Talk and Lead. Mm-hmm. So the user or listeners can check out those old episodes. There's a bunch of great information there. And those are kind of the big three locations.
1: Okay, awesome. Well, I just followed you on Instagram. Oh, looking, thank you so much. Really I'll be sure looking. to do that back. Thanks. <laughs> I, I look forward to seeing all the stuff that you guys post. And then now we're going to go on with the rest of the show. Franklin Armory. Have you ever shot in binary mode?
2: I have not. It sounds awesome. I we've, we do some full auto stuff, but for, uh, no, I haven't gotten to play with the binary triggers. What you know, are they like?
1: Okay, for one, they make them for 8K. So I think also if you wanted to do like a test, it would actually be great because it's just... Basically, how it works is you pull the trigger, it shoots around, and as you release the trigger, it shoots another round. But once you get that cadence down, I mean, you shoot it within a few seconds and you're like, what happened to the Ammo Man magazine? Because it's gone. <laughs> but it's so much fun and I'm addicted to it. And I actually just finally got around to installing the one in my ak and and the one that i have for the ap5 so i'm going to take it to the range this week and test it out but i think it would be a great addition to your guns especially for testing because i I don't know i mean you definitely have to have like a a solid gun i guess to put it in and i'm kind of curious to see how even my ar that i built that i put that trigger in how it holds up but it's just oh it's so much fun
2: Nice. Yeah. There's no doubt that high rates of fire put more stress on a gun. It's a a real nice way to stress one.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree. But I mean, I take it easy. So I don't like, you know, I'm sure that it's fine for all of my guns because I'll shoot a few rounds like in binary mode and then, well, a few mags. And then what's great is you can switch it to semi-auto mode. You're not stuck shooting binary 24 seven. If you want to just shoot it in semi-auto You just flip of a switch, and then it goes in semi-auto. And if, obviously, if if you're shooting in binary, and let's say you want to cancel that last round, all you have to do is switch it on to safe, and then it cancels that last round. So lots of different options. Yeah. It's kind of best of both worlds. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to franklinarmory.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA. That's A-V-A, and that's going to get you 10% off.
0: What is going on in the world today? It's political
1: Today in politics, it should be legal, but also illegal. President Biden recently issued a mass pardon for low-level marijuana offenders, which didn't actually apply to anyone since it only applied to federal convictions of simple possession and no one was in federal prison for that. It was clearly a smoke show, and his lip service saying that, quote, no one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana was absolutely a lie. Proof of that came this week in a case from Florida challenging the rule barring users of marijuana from purchasing or possessing firearms. In spite of the political manipulations, simple possession of marijuana remains punishable by a fine of $1,000 or more and up to a year in jail. If you own firearms, though, it's a lot more severe, up to 15 years for, quote, trafficking in firearms, end quote, by obtaining a gun illegally as an unlawful user and up to 10 years for failing to report cannabis consumption on the 4473, which is kind of comical because I want to know where Hunter Biden's uh, charges for those since he consumes drugs far more hardcore than marijuana and obviously lied on his 4473. The case in Florida included Democrat Nikki Freed, who runs the state's Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services, which also oversees the state's concealed carry permits. In the case, Nikki and other defendants who participated in Florida's medical marijuana program argued that the ban on gun possession by pot consumers violates the Second Amendment. U.S. District Judge Alan Windsor sided with the Biden administration, saying that it passes this constitutional test. He pointed at the history of banning gun ownership by people convicted of certain crimes. However, there are dissenting rulings and a president that disagrees. The only history in law that supports banning ownership applies to gun owners under the influence of alcohol and only, quote, while intoxicated. Also, prohibition of marijuana consumption did not exist when the Second Amendment was ratified. Obviously, it's absolutely ridiculous considering his son's gun crimes and words on how no one should be in jail for marijuana that the DOJ continues, you know, persecuting gun owners for pot.
0: Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours.
1: Today's Q&A. Today's question is, how does recoil on the new Smith & Wesson Equalizer compare to the Smith & Wesson Shield Easy? And I don't know. I would say, one, it depends. Uh, because obviously the Equalizer is chambered in 9mm, whereas the Shield Easy is chambered in 380 or 9mm. It does make a difference. You know, 380 is going to have a little bit less recoil than 9mm. But let's say we were comparing the Shield Easy 9mm to the Equalizer. I would say as far as recoil goes, they're fairly similar, but... They're definitely not the same gun. So the Shield Easy is still a lot more easy to operate. The Equalizer, I would say that the slide, as far as like, you know, racking the slide, it's closer to the Shield Plus and it's definitely not as easy as the Shield Easy. The Shield Easy has the little tabs on the side when you're loading the magazine. The Equalizer does not, but it does come with one of those Maglula, Lula speed loaders, which works great. But if you don't have it, then, you know, I would say it's very comparable to a shield plus magazine and those magazines, you know, they're a little bit difficult to load and they definitely take some, you know, some breaking in. I know when the shield, the original shield came out, those magazines were really hard to load, but eventually they kind of break in a little bit and they get easier. Whereas like the shield easy mags are easy right from the start. The serrations on the equalizer are great, though, for racking the slide, because it definitely gives you quite a bit to grip onto, whereas the Shield Easy doesn't. But like I said, the Easy Slide is much more easier to manipulate than the Equalizer. Hopefully that helps. I would really say the Equalizer is great for people that are more of a fan of the Shield Plus and just looking for more of a mag capacity, but if you're a fan of the easy, I would say try it out before you buy it and make sure that you can definitely, you know, manipulate the slide and load the magazine with or without the speed loader because obviously that's important. IWI. You mentioned the Galil, which I'm a huge fan of. That's probably one of my favorite guns, and I just get tons of compliments on it because I've upgraded a lot of the parts on it, and it just shoots freaking amazing. I also just got the Tavor SBR, and I shot that, and I'm getting ready to put on some parts and suppress it, but they also, if you guys are you know in the market for an AR, they also have their Zion 15 And they have their pistol and rifle version. I personally love the pistol version. I think that, you know, it's because as a mid-length gas system, it actually shoots just incredibly well. It's well-balanced. And then best of all, they're both under $1,000, which is pretty incredible to get a solid well-made AR for under a thousand dollars, and it has 4150 chrome uh, molly barrel chambered in 5.56. Of course, they're equipped with a 15 inch free flow M handguard. Well, depending if you get you know pistol or rifle, as the B5 systems, which everyone seems to be a really big fan of, super rugged, lightweight, but yeah, lots of upgrades, and you know, really can't beat the cost.
2: The uh, Galil 2.02 02 is somewhere around 1,800. It is a shockingly good value. I know. Very nice gun.
1: I know. Yeah. That's what I say. I'm like, if you want to shoot an AK, but like kind of, you know, have it a little more upscale AK, like it's just, uh, it shoots so nice. I love it.
2: Yep. Phenomenal gun. It's and a, good people. I know the IWI US guys, and they're awesome.
1: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And I that's one of the things is I don't work with a company unless I really like the people behind the company as well. If you guys want to check out IWI, head on over to IWI.us. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off any of the accessories in their web store.
0: Tech Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now.
1: Today's Tacty Talk, a company called Pard, I don't know, have you ever heard of Pard? I haven't. They make optics. I've never heard of them. But they released an optic called the DS3X. They just released a new series. It's a day-night optics that sounds pretty amazing for the price. Pard produces their optics in China, so they definitely seem to be taking like Hollison's approach, which I personally don't think there's anything wrong with if the glass is made in China, if it works, because I've been pretty impressed with Hollis and stuff, then, you know, it is what it is, and I'm I'm happy to use it. The new DS3X series, it looks like a standard tubular optic, but with some extras. It incorporates a ballistic calculator, a 1,200-yard rangefinder, Wi-Fi, video recording, and a 800 by 800 display. The image sensor delivers Ultra 2K with full color and. Share details during day and night. For night mode, it includes an IR illuminator above the tube where the optional rangefinder goes as well. The IR illuminator is supposed to be good for up to 500 yards. With the rangefinder and ballistic calculator, it gives you information right in the viewfinder for your shot, which is, I mean, all this is like pretty impressive.
2: That is, Yeah.
1: They also have an image shift to zero which shifts the image to align with the impact point instead of moving the position of the reticle that way the crosshairs are always centered so that you can use the entire field of view it has six selectable reticles to pick from in three different colors it also has five zeroing profiles so that you can set it for multiple rifles or zero for different distances recording mode lets you capture video sensed from recoil so that you can capture the shot every time that's
2: very cool i know that's a really cool i'm like
1: cool what else does it have does it feed you dinner too because that would be cool (laughs) (laughs) let me scroll down and see so the only thing is is it's not it doesn't include msr pre um but i'd definitely be interested to see you know what this let me see if i click on it let me see for one i want to see what it looks like yeah, actually just like my editor said, so it has like that tubular looking optic. Okay, so MSRP is 1059. But according to Pard's announcement, it's actually discounted to 999. So a thousand dollars.
2: That's a lot of tech for a grand. And yeah. Um, yeah, like I love aimpoint, but most of my stuff has all of sun on it because I'm not, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not landed gentry at this point in my right? life. And so, you know, for the to me iron sights give permission to have glass that's a little cheaper on a nice gun. Mm-hmm. Because all glass I've broken a lot of aim points and uh I've fogged some aim points. And so I just treat all glass as disposable and I always have iron sight backups. Mm-hmm. And with that idea, you know, this on life-saving equipment as long as you got irons Uh, I got zero problem with that.
1: Yeah. And I will say, definitely, I've said this in previous shows, but definitely practice with those iron sights because for whatever reason, you definitely get rusty because that's how I started off. And then I did a AK class at Thunder Ranch with Clint Smith. And I kept messing up with the freaking front sight, the three posts. Well, it's the front post with the little two you know, side walls. And I think because I was just so used to always just seeing that the three notches that the side post, the side wall, I would like confuse that with the front sight and go and take my shot. And it was off. And I was like, what the hell? Because like, I'm accurate and I'm a pretty good trigger puller. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, stupid sentry arm, stupid freaking AK. But really it was totally me. (laughs) (laughs)
2: So <laughs> Yeah, you bring up a very good point. All of this stuff is it ages. Yeah. And uh good call to practice with the irons. Absolutely.
1: Yes. But going back to optics, I think that we're in a time in I mean, nowadays the optics that are out there, what we have available, primary arms, I mean, they're offering just some really legit amazing optics for example they just came out with two red dots for your pistol and both of them msrp is 149
2: crazy yeah. and uh i'm a giant fan of primary arms that i didn't want to talk over you on the read earlier but talk about great glass and i've used it when a customer doesn't buy irons on one of our guns i'll use a primary arms one to six power And it is very much sub MOA glass and I've taken it out to 500 yards with our AKs and been able to ring steel, just kind of, you know, one, one shot after the other. And also in rain, sleet, snow, like we test outdoors in Northern Idaho and like for every week of the year, Thursday is test day. And uh, right now we're not doing it, as I mentioned, but for years it was every Thursday, no matter the weather, I was out in a farm field shooting primary arms glass and we just left it in our shooting trailer. And so I've done some pretty gnarly environmental tests on primary and the stuff's great.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm like the days of just, you know, spending tons and tons of money. I mean, unless you are doing long range shooting or something like that, which I don't do. I mean, I've done a little bit. I've, I've shot to a mile. But if I was, you know, a professional shooter, then I'd be like, OK, let's really consider, you know, let's compare it. But, you know, most of us out there, we are only shooting no more than a thousand yards. And primary arms is great. Like, why break the bank? And at that point, what you save in glass, take a training class, like always, you know, totally, train.
2: totally. Yep. First, training, then everything else. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I don't love Night Force, like they're in Idaho and they make amazing glass. And those of you folks out there that have the money for Night Force, uh, you're supporting jobs in America and sure. that's amazing. Yeah. For the rest of us, uh, yeah, the baller's on a budget. There's some great options out
1: there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Caldwell. Speaking of ballers on a budget, they make some freaking (laughs) affordable targets that I'm incredibly thankful for because, you know, you said you shoot at steel. It's so much fun, especially when you're shooting a long distance and you're not like going to be like, oh, did I hit that paper? You know, I mean, it's like you have that audible feedback and you know for a fact whether or not you hit it. I have steel all in my outdoor range and it's covered in Caldwell steel. Right now they have a sale going on. So AR-500 targets in a bunch of sizes and shapes with like five inch plates as low as like 19 8 inch ones for $37.99, and then full IPSC targets for $209.99. So you really can't beat it. And they take a beating. I mean, they last really well. Like I keep them outdoors the entire time. We're going on maybe two years now and they're out east. So there's like tons of like wind and Dirt, So they're probably getting pounded with sand and stuff. And yet I get there and they hold up just fine. So, if you want to check it out, head on over to CaldwellShooting.com. Don't forget to use the code gunfunny10, all one word. That's going to get you 10% off your entire order.
0: Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as... Never mind. A-F.
1: Today's A-F segment. So I'm actually really excited to talk about this because this article clarifies a lot of things so last night i was getting ready to go to bed and i usually just like read the news search instagram like do whatever maybe shop online you know whatever and that's usually how i fall asleep (laughs) (laughs) yesterday i was on instagram and i noticed that sky pistols they posted this picture of like a raw chicken like an entire hen with like some brown paper bag inside of it. <laughs> and I was no. just like, what the hell? I'm like, who the hell's doing their marketing? Like, what the hell's this shit? And I literally was just like, okay, whatever. Like, weird, but okay, and just kept scrolling. <laughs> well, today I read this article and I'm like, okay, this... clear," But they didn't even clarify what the hell it was in their... <laughs> you know, so I'm reading the description on their post, like thinking like, okay, you got my attention. What are we posting about? But it didn't clarify anything. So now... Basically what happened was this week TSA posted photos of a chicken that someone had in their luggage when they tried to get on a planet for Lord Adele, Hollywood international airport, transporting food like chicken, fresh meat, seafood. It actually isn't unusual and it's permitted as long as they're packed in ice and Oh, that they don't contain firearms. That's right. Someone stuffed a pistol <laughs> inside the hen in an attempt to conceal it for their flight. No word on if there was an arrest involved, which I would think that there would be, because clearly there was an intent to hide this pistol. But it's pretty sure that, you know. Oh, man. No one would intentionally, you know, by accident hide a. So it was a Sky CPX-2 with a red dot inside a chicken. And it was wrapped in like what looks like brown paper that was obviously damp from being inside the raw chicken.
2: (laughs) This sounds like a crazy person
1: to me. I, I hope
2: it's a crazy person. I
1: know. And so all I keep thinking is like, when things like this happen, like what were their intentions? Like <laughs> right. I, I get that, you know, chucking in a pistol. I mean, I've flown with guns before. It is a little bit of an inconvenience because you have to declare a gun. And then sometimes they have you walk over to a certain area and they have to like check everything and make sure that it's in the certain box and stuff. And it has a lock. But to, like, try to go – and not to mention, okay, this person clearly wasn't that smart because regardless, if you're going through, like, the whole x-ray thing, like, they can clearly see that there is a chicken or some bones and (laughs) the gun, the shape of a gun, is still going to show up, like, at checkpoint. So, I don't even know what they were thinking. But then this article also – list. So TSA has handed out more than 52 million in penalties over the last three years to travelers who were caught carrying guns through checkpoints, which I get, you know, some people, maybe they forgot to take it out of their pocket or something. I know a few people that it's happened to not well. It's not like they were my best friend. Don't judge me, but first time offenders who get caught are fined at $1,500, but doubles to 3000 if the firearm is loaded. And then I guess around 87% of firearms detected are actually loaded
2: yeah that that makes sense it apparently they miss something like 90 percent, so a lot get through which makes me doubt that it's you yeah it's not really a useful thing however that doesn't mean that people should roll the dice like
1: right that's
2: that's that's a low and
1: and now we know thanks to our buddy not to put it in a raw hen because that clearly doesn't work either
2: clearly (laughs) not although i did see i used to travel a bunch for work and i would have to go to finland and i would go through either germany or britain and i will never forget this one dude who had uh showed up from africa carrying a big brown paper wrapped thing that was sort of cone shaped Mm -hmm. and uh they pulled him off to the side and they were unwrapping the paper as I was going through customs. And this dude had brought a whole goat leg from Africa oh, to his family gosh. and was super unhappy that they confiscated it. But this thing was like dripping blood out of the brown oh, paper. My and everything. It was, it was pretty special. <laughs>
1: Dang. I mean, that is kind of sad though. Cause I mean, maybe he was hoping to like feed his family with it, but it's also yeah. just, you kind of have to wonder what the hell goes through people's heads. And I mean, I'm sure the flights weren't that short where it probably should have been on ice.
2: Yeah, this is... And we're talking like a three-foot leg with the fur still oh, on. This, is like, this was not like a cooler or yeah. something. This was like, yeah, oh, we're just going to wrap this up in a couple brown paper bags and call it good.
0: Dang.
1: <laughs> oh Gosh, yeah. Some people. Some people's kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you guys check out Sky's instagram and you have questions like i did well that is why (laughs) and now (laughs) i will sleep soundly tonight because all of my questions have been answered (laughs) (laughs) all right it is time to wrap up so we have one review and it is from war ori helpful funny and very enjoyable five stars after listening to older coleon noir podcast recently with ava's guest I looked up Ava's Gun Funny podcast immediately. I was hooked. Funny stories, great guests, helpful information, and overall an amazing podcast. Well, thank you very much. Send me your mailing address and I will get out a prize pack. So just go to gunfunny.com and click on the contact us form. And I have not had a chance in the last couple of weeks to send out any prize packs. So if you guys have not received yours, that's why. But I'm actually finally starting to catch up. With everything, having some normalcy in my life, I actually started working out again this week, which feels great. I haven't worked out in like over three months and, you know, able to record my content on the range. I'm getting moved into my new house. Like everything's coming together. So next is going to be sending out those prize packs. And if you guys want to find me, just head on over to gunfunny.com. There's links to everything, social media, YouTube. You can listen directly from the website or iTunes, iHeartRadio, all of that good stuff. If you want to support the show, consider becoming a patron. You get access to our patreon only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun, kind of like a family. In fact, Christmas is around the corner, so I'm hoping to do the Secret Santa thing again with our patrons. And then also, you get added to a giveaway where once a month, blown deadline He does amazing Coat jobs. We pick a lucky winner and you can win a $300 gift certificate to blown deadline every month. Also want to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Calamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And king of the Patreon is Jon Snow. And Brian, thank you so much for all of your time. I know you're really busy, especially with everything that you have planned, but really exciting to just see what you're doing and to hear from you. And, you know, I'm looking forward to staying up to date with everything that you guys post. And I really wish you well. Can you just remind listeners once again, where they can find your website to check out all of your products and then where they can find you on social media?
2: For sure. And it's been a real pleasure getting to talk with you a little bit and hope to run into you at shot or something like that. Absolutely. Um, our, our website is OccamDefense.com. That's Oscar Charlie, Charlie Alpha Mama.com. And Occam Defense Solutions on Instagram and a little bit on the Facebook as well. And if people have questions, they can call us up on the shop line that's listed on our website and get an honest God human in America who cares about their experience. <laughs> and uh, we answer a bunch of questions and are happy to do so.
1: Okay, great. Well, guys, I will see you next week.